I need, uh, what, what was the class you were going to teach us? Business management? Oh, I'm teaching, uh, uh, your, I think it was, like, keeping your finances fresh. Or yes. Your, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was basically, if you, you want don't. to keep the money coming in, don't diminish the freshness. I don't. think that might even be a quote. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, the law, instead of the law of diminishing returns, the law of diminishing <laughs> freshness. You know what I'm saying? Yo, which is, like, in... People are experiencing diminishing freshness nationwide. That's, that's true. Yo, Especially as electric I'm seeing some raggedy behaviors. One might say that we're in a recession of freshness. You know what I'm saying? Like, the economics of freshness. On recess for too long. And they don't teach that in economics. They don't. You know? They don't. Some of the people that are the most, you know, perpetrating. The most perpetratingest professors of, you know, <laughs> the, the of diminishing freshness. They're, they're economics majors, even. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! And we were actually speaking about it in uh, in the context of our logo. Who I don't know if we've ever actually properly shouted out. Oh, we Jess X Chen. Yes. Aziza, why don't you what? tell them a little bit about Jess X Chen? Yo, Jess X Chen is one of the most incredible muralists, poets, and homies um, that the kid has, you know, been able to come across. Their work um, engages with uh, nature and ecologies and, like, you know, just reminding us that we're part of this whole ecosystem, you know, that we're not big humans devoid from it. Um, so I've always been inspired by what they do, and they've done murals of, like, Mahogany Brown and Sonia Sanchez. Come on. Um, they recently uh, drew up a what's going to be a mural of Safia Hello, who was wow. also on the podcast. Shout yes. out to her. Yes. But, yeah, Jess Sexton, when we were telling them about um, our podcast and, like, our vision for the logo, like... Just, just took it and ran with it, you know, in the true fashion yeah. that they'd be doing that. And this is incredible. We were like, wow, we look like us. <laughs> we look like how we wanted to 
how we wanted to be presented. So thank you, homie. Yes. Shit was great. Yeah, thank you, Jess. Continues yeah. to be great. <laughs> and I feel like it's fitting <laughs> to have that conversation right now because this is a special. Uh, this is kind of a community podcast that we're doing today. To date. Uh, We've done one format, which is you've heard the three of us uh, interview an incredible poet. But something special happened a couple of months ago, and we've been kind of sitting on it and wondering when the right time would be to put it out. But the long and short of it is uh, that the Poetry Gods hosted a show in conjunction with the Breakbeat poetry anthology uh, at Burl's Poetry Shop in Brooklyn. It was like a hot night. I feel like it was a Friday, but it actually might have been a weekday, but it was one of those like weekdays that feels like a Friday, right? It was like a Wednesday. It was definitely a Wednesday. I just remember being, it was like sold out, it was sweaty. At capacity, standing room only, you know what I mean? People sitting on the floor. That's actually true. People were sitting on the floor. It was standing room only. It was legitimately packed. And it was a really, it really... It bourbon. We cannot forget that. Yes. There was much bourbon to be had. It was Absolutely. cute. If I remember correctly, Nate Marshall bought the bourbon. He, like, we were looking at bourbon, and he just, like, put the money down on the counter, and then we had bourbon yep. for the whole show. That's true. Nate Marshall is the closer for bourbon. It was great. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, uh, we have a live poetry show, and we're going to bring that to you. Uh, this is more of an introduction for that show that we're going to cut to uh, shortly. But, you know, uh, we didn't want to send you anywhere uh, without first discussing for a second what. We didn't plan that out, America. We really tried to uh, impromptu. I think we did a good job. You know, just so people know, we have we have Aziza on the phone live from Mississippi right now. Uh, So there's like a little bit of delay. So John and I are laughing because we we say something, but Aziza doesn't hear it until like a second later. You know what I mean? So. There's like this cool echo, you know what I mean? We we planned it that way. That's the way we meant to do it. Um, mm-hmm. What's so, go ahead? What, what's that? Yes. What's on your mind? Uh, so, what's on my mind today is uh, Pokemon Go. Um, quite uh, go on. <laughs> quite shamefully, it brings me uh, quite a bit of shame. Not really, but kind of embarrasses me a little bit. I've been playing Pokemon Go almost nonstop. Like, uh, I, my my phone has died more in the last like two weeks. Also, shout out to E Viewing for telling me to download Pokemon Go when I knew I was gonna get addicted. Uh, my phone has died more in the last two weeks than it has like in the history of my having a phone. Like, it's just always dying. And every time I look at my phone to see, like, what's draining my battery, my phone is like, well, you've spent 15 hours playing Pokemon Go. (laughs) It told me that I had spent, in the last week, that I had spent, like, 
13 hours playing Pokemon Go. And that's just entirely too much time. I feel like that's where you don't want your phone to give you statistics. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, you know what, technology? Yeah, I was like, listen, listen, (laughs) iPhone, I didn't ask you this question. You know what I was I just want to know why my phone is dying. I don't need to know the specifics. (laughs) I didn't ask for that information. Your phone was judging you. Your phone was OD. Like giving you shade right then. Yeah. Like that was side eye from iPhone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was like, well, now you know what phone? I'm gonna let you die because <laughs> I really <laughs> I don't need this from you right now. Also, you know what I mean? Also on my mind, I have like 150 uh, Magikarp candy. I still need like 350 more Magikarp candy before I get that Gyarados. Shout out to all the listeners that already have a Gyarados. Hold <laughs> up, hold up. Aziza, have you played this game, Pokemon Go? I've not played the game, but I was a Pokemon fanatic as a child, so I know <laughs> what you're talking about, Jose. But it was really, I did not think that in my early 20s there'd be such a resurgence of this shit. And like I'm both impressed and confused because I'd be seeing people doing the shit and I'm like this is so different from back in my day and then now I feel like pseudo old but like not really it's very confusing but you know I I don't play the game so maybe I should just not even speak on it but I'm proud of you Jose you're close to an evolution (laughs) of your magic card (laughs) if you could sum it up because I, I feel like every time I ask this question, people's answers sprawl and then, like, kind of mumble yes. and trail off. Give me, like, three sentences. What's the appeal of Pokemon Go? <laughs> yeah, so, so, first of all, this is how addicted I am. Even talking about Pokemon Go makes me, like, itch to, like, grab my phone and, like, <laughs> look, to oh see if there, look to see if there are any Pokemon around. I, I once had this experience. I was addicted. <laughs> you know, did y'all ever play... The game Minesweeper, like on old PCs. Definitely. Oh yeah. I was I was once addicted to Minesweeper. Like I was avoiding homework in college, uh, and I was just playing Minesweeper nonstop. Uh, and once I like closed my computer and like went to go to sleep. And when I closed my eyes, I saw the boxes from Minesweeper, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta like, I gotta get the numbers, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, that's kind of how I feel about Pokemon Go. Alright, why is it appealing? Uh, Pokemon Go is appealing, one, for its nostalgia value, you know what I mean? I haven't seen Pokemon in a long time, maybe like eight years I haven't really thought about Pokemon, and now it's like bringing me back to like when I was ten years old. I think it's appealing, um... Because it's, even though, like, it, it's very time-consuming, it's also, you can have it in your pocket as you, like, walk around the city and you're, like, gaining points and, like, getting closer to hatching eggs. <laughs> this is, this is, bar none, the dirtiest I've ever felt. Uh, and, you know, the third reason is just because it's competitive. Like, you, you try and win these gems, and, you know, you have battles, and, and you want to have, like, the strongest Pokemon. You know what I'm saying? And so I think those are the, the three big appeals for me. Uh, yes, and now that I have quite thoroughly embarrassed myself. <laughs> really? Oh, man. If you could see at home, Jose is turning red a little bit right now. It's, it's true. It's, it's very true. sweet. It's I just, true. like, I don't know what it is about, like, I've had friends over, and they would be like, there's a Pokemon in your apartment, and I don't really want, you know, I'm like, 
There's I, I, for some reason I guess like not having it on my phone. I picture people fighting actual Pokemon. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and it's <laughs> it scares me. Did you think it was <laughs> some kind of cosplay thing? What'd you say, Z? Did you think it was some kind of cosplay thing? Like people were just like grown folk were just putting on. Pokemon costumes and fighting each other in the street? No, I mean, I didn't mistake it for the physical world. <laughs> it just, okay. my imagination ran wild, you know? <laughs> like, what do you mean? How do you get a Pokemon in your apartment? Uh, <laughs> there it is. Okay, uh, Aziza, what's on your mind? Yeah. Okay, what? So, I feel like a bunch of stuff is on my mind, um, but most currently... Uh, so, right, I'm in Mississippi. I got a little porch situation. I got, John, I was reminded of you. I found this all-green rocking chair that's, like, the exact color of your room, like, the green oh. in your apartment. It's the same. Wow. And so I'm very endeared by that. But I'm sitting on my rocking chair in all this nature because I live in nature stuff now. And um, I realized one day that a yellow jacket was trying to, burrow into the chair like to mm-hmm. make a home in mm-hmm. the chair and I was like fam like I don't know how to tell you you're not allowed to do this like you gotta you gotta stop doing this shit but mm-hmm. the yellow jacket would keep coming back to the chair trying to burrow so I being the petty professor that I am um, just started like rocking the chair from a distance so that it would think there was like a disturbance in the tree I guess it was and, like, would be like, oh, I see this shaky tree. I can't live here. But it kept coming back. And so I finally, like, plugged up where it was trying to burrow a hole. And I think I discouraged it enough. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, like, right now dealing with bugs more than I ever thought I would, which I think is becoming, like, a branding thing for me. Like, people will talk to me about bugs who I don't know. <laughs> well, you so, write a lot about I'm bugs. I'm like, dang. I do, but now it's like I think I think now it's inescapable. Like mm. I like I'm, you know, like people are depending on some narrative of bugs from me, and I'm so into it. But now I'm like, am I am I like requesting this from the world? Like are bugs appearing because I write about them? Huh. I kind of don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't like bugs that much. Like it's just it's just becoming a little strange. I was. So now I, I had to, like, defend my property mm-hmm. against bugs. You'll which see. Yeah. I just never felt like defending before. Once I saw someone try to make a house out of my chair, I was like, all right. I, I got really possessive. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why do we, this is, you can't live in my chair. I just never mm-hmm. thought I'd have to say that aloud. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, I did because I tried to talk to the bug. You're, You're like, see. it's my chair. I got it with money. You don't know what that is, but hey, it's important. Fun fact, though, I didn't even get it with money. Just found it. Oh, so right. maybe someone is punishing me it for out. finding the chair yeah, and unleashing see. yellow jackets. Can I, can I tell you that uh, a couple weeks ago, it, there was a heat wave in New York City. Uh, and so there was, like, a report that it was so hot that the cockroaches started flying. You know what I mean? Because the, the ground was... Flying? Yeah, they, the ground was too hot for cockroaches to walk on. So they started flying around New York. And immediately, you were, like, the first person I thought of. I was like, yo, where is, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> I've done this? it to myself, yo. Down here, bam. The cockroaches just fly. Like, they it's just, just fly? It's not even an occurrence. It's like that's what that's what they assume 
room they're going to do is fly. Mm. And, yo, and I think, like, the last thing that's on my mind, which is now connected to this flight situation, is mm. real quick, but um, uh, Taylor Johnson, shout out to Taylor Johnson, put shout me on to, to this word, exaptation, um, that was in this Terrence Hayes lecture. And exaptation, it's, it, so it goes like this, right? So birds had wings. And the wings were just to originally keep them warm. And then later on, they started using them to fly. Wait, wait, is that true? It's true. Like, evolutionarily, like, they just had wings. And the whole purpose was to keep the bird warm. And then over the course of evolution, birds started flying. Wow. When do we start flying? Right? Yeah. Do we have wings, too, that we just don't know about? (laughs) I think we might. Right now. Yeah, 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 no, it's definitely fucking me up. I'm we're looking at myself like, yo, <laughs> what other magic tricks can I perform? <laughs> I need to get off Pokemon that? Go. Usually my question. Oh right. man, and see, it still brings you back to flying creatures, Z. You just like can't escape yeah. it. I feel like anytime some no. crazy shit happens with a bug, I need you to make sense of it. <laughs> you know? I do, yo, yeah, and, and I'll be that person. <laughs> I'm fine. sit down and feel a pressure to write about bugs? Like, people expect this of me. Nah, I don't feel that. I think the moment I feel that, it'll be kind of like in the movie Adaptation. You remember when he goes like, and then one day I just went, fuck fish. And then I went on to, then I started collecting turtles. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I'd probably be like, ah, I'm over it. I wonder what the next thing would be. I don't remember that movie, Uh but that quote resonates with me. Yes. Deeply. Yes. Yeah. Because I love Sometimes turtles. Sometimes fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, you know, if, well, this would only, this would really be a good transition if you wanted to get away from uh, writing about bugs, but it seems like you've really embraced that part of who you are, uh, and I'm happy for that. Uh, Thank you. What's on my mind? John's <laughs> <laughs> not even going to wait for us to ask him, you know what I mean? John is like, it's my turn. Yeah, are you guys curious? Yeah, John, uh, John yes. Sands, what's, what's on your mind? It's funny you what should ask. What is it? I've had this poem on my mind, uh, and it is, uh, it's a short poem by Lucille Clifton. I would imagine a lot of people who are listening here know yes. Lucille Clifton's work. Well, Shout out to Lucille Clifton. If you don't, then uh, it's really easily findable in many different avenues. Uh, but she has this this one poem that I think like speaks specifically to uh, the way in which, like, a specific part of the way in which we grow. And it's a short poem, and I want to I want to read it first, and then maybe speak a little bit about why it's on my mind. But uh, the poem goes: I am running into a new year. Mm. And the old years blow back like a wind that I catch in my hair, like strong fingers, like all my old promises. And it will be hard to let go of what I said to myself about myself when I was 16 and 26 and 36, even 36 But I am running into a new year, and I beg what I love, and I leave to forgive me. Uh, 
and we could leave it at that, but I, but I yeah, think five yeah. you know what I mean? We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, uh, but I think what, like, why I continually return to that poem and try to remember that is that I think a huge part of growing or like sustaining in any moment uh, is about aligning your beliefs about yourself in a way that allows you to get what you need out of that particular time in your life. Uh, And so many times, a belief that is integral uh, one year, you know, in two years, is outdated, and it's a hard process to let go of Mm. something you've told yourself about yourself in order to watch a new you come out. Like, I can recognize the way in which... Honestly, for me specifically, like, my early 20s, my, like, early to mid-20s are characterized by a specific belief, and it shows up all over my poems, like, that I am, like, somehow objectively uh, not, like, capable of romantic love. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And honestly, I think that that's a belief that really helped me do a lot of things in my life at that moment Mm -hmm. and it was a belief that became outdated and I had to like challenge it and create a new space around for for some for something different to happen I also think about it like creatively I remember I was going through like a specific bout of uh of stage fright in 2009 I was like, uh, this is when I was still slamming and I was talking with my friend, uh, Jeannie Kabinji, uh, and I remember just like feeling the expectation of the moment being too large. And she said that stage fright is your body informing you of a journey into the unknown. Uh, and, uh, we ascribe to that feeling uh, to the unknown, the negative or the positive. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that it's definitely positive and you think it's negative, it's just that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that is a really scary part of the creative process is mm-hmm. the not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's yeah. on my mind because I feel like there are a lot of transitions like happening in my life that I uh, both in my work and also just like in my everyday life where I'm like, man, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So I'm like open like we just got a dog. Hey. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out to Rich Miss the Dish. Yeah. Uh, you can check. Miss Homie Kwan. Miss Homie Kwan. Yes. <laughs> Please send us your best Miss the Puppy nicknames to at the Poetry Gods. You know what I mean? We want to know yeah. what your nicknames are for Rich Miss the Dish. Yeah. Miss Homie Kwan. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's a, we're about one or two episodes away from interviewing Mish. Yeah. You know what I mean? We it's, also it's got oh, yeah. <laughs> Mission Accomplished. Woo! Mission, Mission Control. AKA. <laughs> so yeah, I guess basically this poem continually <laughs> checks checks me into like asking myself what my present is. Like yep. what is today and not feeling like because I've been a different person in the past that that person has to be uh, the one calling the shots, as opposed to, like, a main advisor at the executive boardroom of mm-hmm. my, like, head. Because mm-hmm. uh, I do need him for that, but mm-hmm. I don't need him to be the president. I feel mm-hmm. like President Me has to be the president of both my art and my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yo, Zeke, just building off of that real quick, and I know that we probably got to go soon, but uh, are there any beliefs that you've had to let go about yourself? Oh, this is leading. You know there are. <laughs> 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 we talk about this all fucking time. That's right. Um, but yo, yes, like, John, like, that really resonated with me because I definitely decided that, um, like, love for me was impossible somehow, Mm -hmm. like that kind of love, like that very intimate romantic situation, Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing that I'm just wrong, like, in a major way, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so interesting, like, you know, uh, shout out to my dad, Craig. Hey, Craig. Um, but you were, he was saying to me on the phone the other day that he, he was worried that, like, that belief of mine was going to carry for, like, the remainder of my tenure on the earth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, it was like that? Like, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't think I was, you know, touting that, you know, so heavy. But, like, my own dad is saying, like, nah, fam, you really thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just kind of wild to me. I had to sit with that. Um, I think the things that become mantras for us, like the things you say in your poems, the things you say every day, like they become you, absolutely. And that's not a hard science, but I think there's a magic in it, right? And there's, and there's like a, it's essence that makes you become something. And, um, so I always get really nervous when I use my words, um, without intention but what i do love about that that old belief i had that was very similar to your belief john was that i did get a lot of shit done Mm. um i did like deciding that something was impossible uh opened up a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. so now i'm kind of excited for what i'm going to decide is impossible next uh because now it's a tool right if i decide that you know, certain courses of action. If I decide that failure is not an option or what I conceive of failure, um, then I wonder what's going to creep up in its place, mm-hmm. um, which could still be, like, from a pseudo-objective standpoint, failure, but it wouldn't be the failure in my head. It would just be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to plug in something uh, into the place where I thought love was impossible. That's, that's that's gorgeous. So beautiful. I feel yeah. like that's it, y'all. Yeah, I hope you were taking notes. That's, no, that's, the professor. A, that's the professor, <laughs> aka the professor, aka the professor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I will just I will just add though. Like I feel like that is that once you and I think this is a part of getting old. Like I think something that characterizes youth is that you have very little understanding of of the fact that life exists in phases. You know, you just think yeah. whatever phase you're like middle school. I just thought that was it for the rest <laughs> of my life. That was my emotional reality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the older you get, the more that you're like, oh man, that act, like I think you have a, a, a greater understanding of what is temporary and what is not. You mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. and so you like change one belief, and then you're. I think that process gets easier, or or you just uh, or if it doesn't get easier, you at least know it's happening, which is a type of ease. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jose? Um, I think right now the thing that I'm thinking of is, you know, maybe the last couple years, first two years in New York. Uh, oh, and now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, damn, there's a bunch of things that I'm like trying to let go of that are not useful to me anymore. Um, but one of the things that I 
I used to have like a visceral reaction to people talking about uh, anything that felt like was in the realm of self-help sort of philosophies oh. or uh, self-love. You know what I mean? I was very kind of um, skeptical love. Uh, and, I, and, and the way that I justified it, you know, a, a year ago, a couple years ago was like self, self-love or like self-help one profess like if professes that there's something broken that, that you know needs to be fixed you know what I mean and I like don't want to think of myself as like broken you know what I'm saying uh and I and like or like with self self-love like I was I think I was <laughs> uh I don't know how to turn that off um I think I was skeptical of self-love because I felt like, you know, now I I think, you know, I, it's hard to say. I, I think that I just, like, couldn't conceive of, like, how I could love myself, you know what I mean? Or, like, with yeah. that, without, like, just, like, the sort of um, bare minimum efforts of, like, I love myself, so I'm going to go get ice cream, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand, <laughs> like, how to, how I could ever, like, really, really love myself on, on, like, the level of, like, I feel really good about waking up each day and, like, doing the things that I, like, I, I give myself permission to feel how I feel, you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and I think it's, that's something that I've had to let go of, like, my fear that, and, and, and my skepticism of that pushed me into other directions, you know what I mean? Like, like y'all were saying, like, uh, I think that I, like learned a lot about um listening to others you know what i mean i think i like learned how to be a good friend in place of like being good to myself at Mm -hmm. times you know what i'm saying um and now i'm now i think i'm like ready to leave that behind so that's both like uh scary and also really exciting you know what i'm saying yeah I feel like we must have met right around that time because I feel like I've gotten so much. Uh, I'm trying to find a better word other than like vocabulary, but in so many of our conversations, this is way before we like started the podcast. Right, right. I'll say you like consistently say something that makes me be like, "Oh, this is like my avenue towards growth." Like, oh yeah, that is like a good way to treat oneself, you know, like. <laughs> And, you know, I'm grateful to hear that, you know what I mean? But I I think, yeah, I think part of that is just, like, me getting good at the disguise, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, like, wearing, wearing, wearing the clothes of the profession of self-love. But I don't know, but, like, philosophically, I didn't feel it, you know what I mean? And I I think, I think that's where I'm at now. Like, I can can feel the difference in myself and, like, it, it changes everything because it in terms of like what my goals are and what I hope to accomplish and like instead of sort of letting things just kind of happen to me I'm like seeking things out in a more intentional way in a way that I like really haven't done in a long long time so I feel I feel really good about that and I'm like usually I'm excited to see like what other beliefs I shed and sort of crawl into you know what I'm saying like it's kind of fresh that we get to be I'm thinking about Morgan Parker now you know what I mean like shout out Morgan Parker it's kind of fresh that we get to be like a multitude of these different people you know what I'm saying oh yeah I mean like you know my mom she's like oh no you manifest you Mm. you are doing the manifesting and I feel like 
you know, I feel like, you know, this podcast was a manifestation. Yes. It's like we said it enough yeah. that yes. it existed. Yes. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think what's just, like, remarkable because the journeys, like, these journeys of, like, no, I am capable of love, mm-hmm. including myself. Mm-hmm. Like, these are not for the weary and I often feel so weary like mm-hmm. yeah, this is hard um, but I do think the formula ain't hard the formula is, is shit that we'd be doing because we write like to encamp something mm-hmm. to to speak something into a space to speak loving yourself into a space come on, come on um, it's like that yo real quick I was I know we have to go. Also, like, listen, <laughs> when we got together to plan this session, uh, you know, now I'm speaking to the listeners, so hello, listeners. Yeah. Uh, we're back with you. Yeah. Uh, when we got together to plan the session, we were like, oh, we'll do, like, a quick what's on your mind. It'll be 12-minute tops, and we're, we'll bounce. And now, we're, now, like, I don't want to let it go. I'm like, ooh, maybe this is a podcast. Yeah, we didn't, like, we didn't know that this was actually going to be, like, our favorite what's on your mind of all time. Yeah, oh, my God, so many quotables. Um, but I was just in a conversation with uh, Jeff Kagan Trencher. Shout out Jeff, uh, incredible mm-hmm. poet homie and lawyer and he was telling me that there's a type of law uh, there's like a language used in law and now i can't think of what what the word is so anybody who studies law out there help us out or jeff i'll ask jeff but uh you know in law there's something where like when you say it it's like contractual language when you say it then it is true right so like if you say um i declare you man and wife like that's that's actually a spell. It's a, it the words make it so that it's actually true now. You know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, Jeff was saying this. He was like, the only things that that's true for are, you know, this type of law, like this language in law, and then also poetry. Like you say it, and it's and it makes it so. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, also at a basic level, and I don't want to undersell the amount of, like, work that we do to try to bring this podcast to y'all, which is very much a labor of love, but, like, we're here because Jose hit record on a voice memo on, like, a couch (laughs) at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night in the Berkshires. You know, like, that, Mm. there's so much about the cliff's edge of an idea, the talking, the talking, the talking, and then just, like, ooh, we're doing. And once the doing, doing begets doing. Mm-hmm. And then once you sent it, I forget, you sent it to, like, seven people. <laughs> and they praised it. Honestly, it was so powerful. I remember Eve, you and tweeting about it and us being like, oh, wow, that, like, I guess it was, like, possible. I don't yeah, know. You know, like, you speak to the world and just, like, a small voice speaks back and all of a sudden it grows and grows. Yeah. Uh, so having yeah. said that, it grew... Uh, into wait, Aziza, did I cut you off? No, son, I'm I'm good. I, I just I'm I'm loving this this chat. Yeah, me too. This is great. So part of where it grew. Deliver more things. True. Part of where it grew. Uh, was to this incredible night, which is honestly indicative of of some of the work that we would like to do more. Uh, so look out for more readings either down south or in the northeast, or if you are you know, a college student somewhere and you want to conceive or dream of what a live poetry guide show would look like at your university, then you should holler at us. Yes. Uh, We're not, we're not hard to find. Um, But this particular event happened with uh, some dear friends, 
of uh, of our colleagues. Yeah, colleagues uh, at Burl's Poetry Shop. So I just want to say this: a, a, a small note about the audio that might guide you into listening. Uh, every reader who you hear on the microphone, and our readers were. Come on, Felix. Yeah. Um, we had Nate Marshall. We had Aziza Barnes. Keep going. We had Jose Olivares. Incredible. We had Idris Goodwin. Boom. We had Mahogany L. Brown. Yep. Uh, we had Adam mm-hmm. Faulkner. Woo. We had Carvin's Carvin's Lassat. <laughs> Yo, mm-hmm. it was a special night. And you know, special guest Bourbon. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Bourbon <laughs> got on the mic for a little bit. It was intense. Uh, and uh, their audio is incredible. Okay, but here's the thing: the three of us were not on a microphone, and so you. But I think we gave really. Uh, heartfelt intros that you wouldn't necessarily get if uh, they were personal intros. Uh, having said that, when you hear us speaking, the sound is really soft. So you might have the urge to turn it up and really check in if that's your thing, you know, and you're like, you want to get every mm-hmm. little bit. But know that once the poet gets to the mic, you're going to have to turn it down real quick unless you want your ear to hurt. Uh, but also, <laughs> if you like, don't like the, having to stretch your ear for the intros, just hit that like you know little fast forward button and get to the poetry reading because it was one of the most special poetry readings that we've ever uh, attended and and yeah. we're so happy and thankful yes. to Burl's for doing the recording. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't checked out Burl's poetry shop, you should definitely do that in New York City and in Dumbo. Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah. One one last mm-hmm. note. So we asked the readers to tell us what their unpopular opinion was prior to them reading. So if you hear. <laughs> You know, one of our readers say Idris Goodwin lead off with, you know, I think Drake is overrated. Well, you know, you'll know why. <laughs> Idris isn't just coming up there and talking. Yeah, Idris isn't just talking shit. You know what I mean? He's responding to a question, which is, what is your unpopular opinion? Uh, so, having said that, we are going to check you in there live. And we're going to transition from this, and pretty soon you're going to hear a very soft but dedicated and earnest Aziza Barnes introing our guest from the last podcast, Kamon Felix, yes, yes, and so on and so forth. It was such a special night. We're so happy to be able to bring it to you. I hope that y'all kick back. And if you like it and you, and you want to hear us do more live shows like this, you know, maybe holler at us on, uh, on Twitter or email and just let us know how you like this new format. We've gotten a lot more conversations going online, and we love that. Yes. Uh, and we haven't forgotten the contest about Aziza's plane flight. And yeah. we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> We've gotten a couple of entries, so th- there is still time to send in your entry. Um, and, and last but not least, next... So now, our next episode, two weeks from now, uh, we're doing a special Clear the Inbox episode. So please get your questions in. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, send us whatever questions you have, and uh, we're going to answer them on air. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be a very special show. And uh, Yeah, you can tweet at us, at the Poetry Gods, or you can, if, you, if it feels more private, uh, email the poetry gods at gmail.com. That's email the poetry gods. Email is part of the email. It's like a trap called Quiet. <laughs> you have to say the whole thing. Say the whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, a tri- it's not just Quest. Right. It's a trap called Quest. Exactly. Uh, okay, having said that, we love you, America. Yeah. Any closing transitional words, Aziza and Jose? Uh, 
no, I, I just really love We Love You America because I feel like Bernie Mac. So, yes. uh, Mac out. Listen, if we're, if we're bringing America into this, I might sit down for a couple more minutes. You know what I mean? What's up, America? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting comfortable. You know what I mean? We got some things to talk about. We have to cut this man off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, yes, so thank you for listening. For real, thank you to everyone who sort of uh, who, who has rated us on iTunes and left a really beautiful and nice comment. I, like, spent a good amount of time just weeping. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because y'all are far yeah. too kind. Uh, and we'll catch you in two weeks or on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? All right. Enjoy the show. Yes. Peace. People see me, but they don't know now. <laughs> <laughs> Pure luck when your best friend publicly says that she's your best friend, says you can just grab her whiskey and no one thinks it's weird. You know what I mean? Just like, so this is mine. Okay, I'm gonna drink that. Mm, uh-huh. mm. Woo. <coughs> Woo! No longer alive. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna read a poem and we're gonna get this shit popping. Hey, shout out to Breakbeats and the Breakbeats break community um, and the poke community at large. Like, we have been sustaining each other for years and years, and it's incredible to think that, like, a good, a lot of some of the people I've known in this room I've known since I was 16 years old. Bananas. What? Okay. <laughs> this is The Therapist Asks Three. Quote, But there were times where you offered your consent with older men. You chose them, and you were not afraid. Why not? You don't know the true success of survival till you've experienced the adrenaline of a too close death. What is there to fear when you've licked the edge? It is going to be an oppressively hot summer, the New York Post says, but I've got a few of my own stowed away, enough to occupy a foreign desert. There was one summer, his name was Tito, and my sisters would say his name just like that. T-to, the O, a benchmark in the bottom of the jaw. I was just 12, but the gaze itself made me a flame, so no one could tell, I guess, or no one would tell. He was the kind of heavy swelter that had the whole block at mercy. Everyone's connect to whatever they needed, which was much and in bulk. 
Power is a switch that yokes me up at the waist. I was young and enamored by this pattern of men who shouldn't want me, but would risk day to touch the stark chant of me. Each time I imagine a witchcraft enveloping the bone, I remember once at some low hour in the trough of that summer, my mouth a voyaging boat, Tito's spine a current of illicit knots, his hand a spindle on the back of my coarse head. He looks down at me and moans out, who the fuck are you? I say, and the answer is always the same thereafter, nobody, who are you? Evening, niggas. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. Um, 50 Cent's album, Get Rich or Die Tryin', is a classic album. And, and is the last classic album produced by a New York rapper. So there. Um... It's real. All right, I'm gonna do this poem. It's called uh, it's called Palindrome. Uh, On her pro. All right. See this nigga. I can't you see, man. All right, see niggas, man. Take, take. This is racist. All right. Um, I don't know. Yo, everything. Everything is problematic. All right, actually, I'm not going to do that poem. I'm going to do this poem, because this poem is about racism. It's called Foot Locker, uh, Evanston, Illinois. The sales associate has no idea about my size. He spies from the top of a ladder, no pretension of acting like he was reaching for the fitted hat. The other associate at ground level close to my spine is the off-brand backpack I wear. I think about buying a new piece of cool with the summer camp savings my mom has 10 months into a plastic bag of traveler's checks, but I can't breathe enough suburb to be frivolous, so I walk out. Later, a white kid in my camp group shows me the guts of his book bag, stuffed full with hats, headbands, t-shirts. Um, yeah, real talk, real talk. They was following me around. Yo. White niggas be stealing though. Uh, look, I'm gonna do this. It's a uh, it's a, a rap verse that I wrote, like sitting by the water. 
Um, or I finished Sitting by the Water. I started writing it once when I was on a panel um, <laughs> about hip hop that was boring. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, yo, I felt like I bodied the shit, but the other niggas was talking. I was like, yo, let me write these rhymes. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, look, all right, let me pull it together. Rhyme in the panel, bibliography bars. My code don't switch, I kick it, always the hard. Gee, I don't compromise my soul, I rhyme the whole, I'm Chicago. Two thirds of the time I'm cold. Yo, mere muggle men struggle to win. I just rest for a spell, then I hustle again. I'm that Ravenclaw kid, smart school, raw kid. <laughs> Mad I was too young to sign the rawest, so I gotta analyze the rawest. So I shine like the top of my dome, so flawless, my. <laughs> Alright, shit is real, shit is real, shit is real. Um, my freestyle decent, but my pen peak. Ben Heat, <laughs> poems for the niggas popping wheelies on their 10-speeds. Poems for your grandma making kimchi, chitlins. <laughs> Kids on the Ritlin, dads on their pension. Mom buying EBT, stocking up the kitchen. Poems today give us us free, today listening. appreciate that. Uh, um, my unpopular opinion is uh, I don't like grapefruit. You know what I'm saying? Fuck grapefruit. <laughs> hey, hey, fruit are supposed to be sweet. Grapefruit is bitter as hell. You know what I'm saying? I don't fuck with that shit. You know what I mean? I like grapes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> grapes are delicious. I like, I like, I like oranges, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like lemons too, shout out Beyonce. <laughs> uh, real talk, I don't know. <laughs> she, she might have, you know what I'm saying? Hey, when they write the historical record, they'd be like, and then Beyonce invented lemons. <laughs> Facts, hey. Uh, I really don't know why they let me speak at things like this, but uh, <laughs> y'all are here, so whatever. Uh, 
I'm going to read uh, two new poems, new-ish poems, and then I'm going to read a poem from the anthology slash my book, which is available for sale. <laughs> Shout out the sponsor, Bullet Bourbon. Um, this first poem is called Poem for Calumet City Confession. Uh, so I was born in Chicago. I was raised in Calumet City, which is a southern suburb, south suburb of Chicago. Hey, hey uh, only thing you need to know, uh, I mentioned folk. Uh, folk means uh, the gangster disciple nation in Chicago. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, uh, this is how it goes. Poem for Calumet City, Confession. You were far south side, you were far south, but not south side. What was I ashamed about? It's true, our school got locked down. The dog sniffed through the halls. I said, what up, folk? I thought it meant fam. Maybe it does. It's true, John got shot. I didn't make it all up. I'm trying to remember how it started. Who started calling you unsafe, calling you a thug? My mom in her garden, a criminal. Me in my books, gangster. John getting shot in all my conversations. We were poor, not everything was a lie. Facts were omitted. My brothers and I walking safely to school. The cops searching our lockers found mostly Pokemon cards and weed. You weren't exactly hard. We were safe and we were safe and loved inexactly. John did get shot. It's true. He went to college. That's not a lie. He survived. So how come when I talk about home, it's smoke rising from the fire of a gun, not the smoke of fireworks or barbecues to toast the new graduate? Uh, this next poem is called Ode to Cheese Fries. <laughs> I'm a little bit suspicious of y'all because a lot of y'all are from the East Coast. And, uh, and when, I came, when I came to the East Coast, when I came to the East Coast, I ordered cheese fries and they put like some Gouda and cheddar on top of French fries. And then, hey, hold up, hold up. Hey, hey. Hey, I, I love Gouda, you know what I'm saying? I love me some fancy cheeses, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, shout out, shout out white people. Y'all do cheese very well. Uh, but uh, but they, they baked that shit in the oven, and then I was like, this is not cheese fries. So if you don't, if you're confused right now, uh, cheese fries is when you have a regular ass batch of french fries. <laughs> and you pour nacho cheese on top of it. That's it, that's all it is. <laughs> and it's delicious. And when I think about my love for the Midwest, I think about cheese fries. So this is called Ode to Cheese Fries. <laughs> Yo, I love Nate Marshall so much. <laughs> Ode to Cheese Fries. Golden goo of artificial delicious what probably lines my stomach with sunlight grease for weeks after eating the yellow so yellow it could only be manufactured. <laughs> yellow doesn't, it's not that yellow. So what if it's fake? As much cheese content as apple Jolly Ranchers? I come from a city of foreclosure, foreclosure, empty lot, 
City where we got dollar store brand action figures. So what my Wolverine didn't have retractable claws or the right uniform? So my joy at Panos, my favorite fried everything spot. The cashier's voice, a box of Newports filtered through throat. I didn't know I would miss this home where the patties come from freezers and maybe not ever from cows or even animals. I live in a city that brags about its organic, fair trade, quinoa-fed beef. Of course I miss the 90s pop playing at the restaurant, the Backstreet Boys live in Cal City where the band never breaks up. The song plays on repeat as the cashier takes my order. Say it with me. Cheese fries, please. Give me everything artificial, including cardboard fries, the bread fresh out of some Walmart cloning experiment. <laughs> Throw in a cold pop. I want a joy so fake it stains my insides and never fades away. And then I'm going to end with this poem. Uh, this is a poem that is uh, from the Breakbeat collection, which y'all should get. It's <laughs> I'm carving, I, carving, I just, you know what I'm saying? Hey, somebody needs to hire me for some commercials or some shit. I do a good job. Uh, this is called Ode to the First White Girl I Ever Loved. <laughs> I know, which is like, why? Why is that the reaction? All right. I don't know if I'm in the emotional space to do this shit. All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Ode to the first white girl I ever loved. It was kindergarten, and I did not know English, so I could not talk without being ridiculed. And the teacher did not want me in her class. She was white too. She said, I do not know how to teach someone who only speaks Spanish. And the kids did not want me in their class. They were white too and black. They said, we do not know how to be friends with someone who only speaks Spanish. And I was the only Mexican and I only spoke Spanish. I watched a lot of TV. Everyone was rich and white. My family was poor and Mexican. My family only spoke Spanish. And in school, I felt so lonely. My loneliness would walk home with me. My loneliness held my hand as I crossed streets. My loneliness spoke Spanish like my family. And this is how I learned to equate my family with loneliness. How I learned to hate my family. How I learned to hate being Mexican. And I watched a lot of TV. Everyone was rich and white. And what I wanted was to grow up and be rich and white and speak English on shows like Seinfeld or Friends, on shows with laugh tracks, big hair, and cardigans. What I wanted was friends to walk home from school with, a teacher to give me gold stars like all the other kids. And what I wanted was to stop eating welfare nachos with government cheese. It was kindergarten, and I loved all the white girls in my class. Robin and Crystal and Jen and all the white girls whose names I've forgotten. I wanted to kiss them. I thought kisses were magic. I hoped I could learn English through a kiss, that I could run my hands through their hair and find a proper accent. 
I loved white girls as much as I hated being lonely and Mexican. Lord, I am a 25-year-old man and sometimes still a five-year-old boy. And I love black women and Latina women. And I tell them in Spanish how beautiful they are. And they are more beautiful and lovely than all the white women in the world. I tell them in Spanish how lonely it is to live in English. And they answer with the remix of my name. Yo sé, yo sé, yo sé. Thanks, y'all. say that around me <laughs> thank no but sincerely thank you um john was one of my first mentors like kind of ever I, he was for a lot of us is for a lot of us and like i'm so proud to call you my friend and i remember the first day we became friends and and john and i were walking down the street and i was telling him to read octavia butler and he was like which one i was like all of them she's got 12 books and and you looked up i know you don't remember exactly this i know you remember the day but not this but this has been ingrained in me you said like ah, i will never read all the books <laughs> damn <laughs> and it was just this really beautiful moment of like yeah our mortality clips us of all the things that we're that we really are like i'm going to do that and, that, and that's okay. Maybe you read three of the books and you really read the fuck out of those three books. My dad asks, how come black folk can't just write about flowers? <laughs> Bijan been dead 11 months and my blue margin reduced to arterial. There's a party at my house, a house held by legislation, vocabulary, and trill, but hell. It's ours, and it's sparkle on the corner of View Park, a channel of black electric. Danny wants to walk to the ledge up the block, and we an open river of flex. We know what time it is. On the ledge, folk give up neck and dismantle gray navigation for some slice of body. It's June. It's what we do. Walk down the middle of our road, and given View Park, a lining of Dubois 10th, a Jack and Jill feast, and good black area, it be our road. We own it. I'm saying with money. Our milk neighbors collaborate in the happy task of surveillance. They knew. They pivot function. They call the khaki uniforms. I swift. Review the architecture of desire spun clean, and I could see how we all look like ghosts. 
Three squad cars roll up at my door and it's a fucking joke. Cause exactly no squad cars rolled up to the McDonald's Bijan was shot at. And exactly no squad cars rolled up to find the murderers. And exactly no one did what could be categorized as their job. Depending on how you define time spent for money earned for property. And it didn't make me feel like I could see less of the gun in her holster. Because she was black and short and a woman too. She go, this your house? I say, yeah. She go, can you prove it? I say, it mine. She go ID, I say, it mine. She go back up on the sly and interview me going all, what's your address, don't look. And Hugh say, I feel wild, disrespected. And White go, can you explain that? And Danny say, how far the nearest precinct? And Christian say, fuck that. And White go, can you explain that? I cross my arms. I'm bored and headlights quit being interesting after I called 911 when I was two years old because it was the only phone number I knew by heart. Um, so this is new. This is from a novel I'm writing. Um, novel. It's lit. Novel me new. I'm writing the new. Um, but I think only you've seen this and Jose and John. Um, uh, so um, thank you. And the novel's called Chasing Emmett, and it's a metafictive joint where like, I go to the South to write this novel about Emmett Till, and I can't because I keep writing about my own shit. So here go. If the trees are black women, then lynching is the cruelty of a true God. The trees looked upon the white men and women and children and said, you brought my man home wrong, I will. I will kill you for this. And so the world began to melt away and the white men lost their fortune. Oil unbecame and the last black man alive lives. His vineyard is an orchard is always howling, an army of the living God. They might kill me. They might take my names and eat them whole. They might take my body and for sport put me up with child. They might take my blood and break the line. They might take my paper and I'd be annoyed and broke. They might push me lightly so I die from a bump on my head at home where I live with no one but myself. They might make me a demon and have me hate the ones I love for generations and curse them. They have, and I still win, baby. I masturbated. Two fingers in my pussy, the other two on my clit came into my fingers, index and middle, saw the clear film of accomplishment and blew it into a small bubble. I laughed at the product of my lust, lust of the women dancing in my head, lust no bill can unname, so fuck y'all, the Confederate, the Save the Flag clan, even though you only meet on Sundays when I'm usually at home masturbating in spite of you, well, in absence of you, who thinks of you but me? I do give you life, don't I? Thank you, Beyonce, praise the end of the world. I nodded my head at a Confederate flag supporter I happened upon today. He was on his Harley. He nodded back. He revved his engine so loud I jumped. Then they all did. Then they left. And my grandfather's voice in my head screamed, don't walk with your eyes on your feet.
and makes it, you know, whether it's through church or through his craft of acting or through his craft of writing or through his love, his partner um, or his friends, really makes it a point to like make this life matter in the best ways. And I thank you. Welcome, Carver, to come. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so I love St so Steph Curry's dope. He's he's dope. But LeBron James is still the best player in the world. That's my feelings. That's how I feel. If you want to fight, we can fight after. Uh, if you want to talk, we can talk. That's my um. I'm with that. I've been boxing. I'm feeling LeBron. No, of course not. I'm talking about right now. That's 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 just dumb. I'm not dumb. That's just dumb. That's just that's what it is. Damn. Um. This is a dramatic pause for no reason. I'm really just trying to figure out. <laughs> it looked like I'm about to say something real deep. I'm just trying to figure out if I know this poem. Uh, you know. All right, I'm excited. I was born by the river In a little tent And just like the river I've been running ever since it's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. I beg of you. Before I'm six feet beneath the soil, before the maggots hug my flesh into a shivering carcass, speak of me as I am. Nothing false nor set down aught and malice, I pray that you would tell them that I died a proud man, that I was one who never spoke unless it improved upon silence. Tell them that I never moved unless it improved upon stillness, that this here, that this was no walk in the park, that life, life sometimes can feel like a cigarette brick during a one-night stand. And there were mornings when I wanted to staple my eyelids shut because the sunrise was a horror film I never wanted to wake up in. Speak of fear. Speak of insecurity. Speak of the days when I shouted as loud as dynamite hissing through a funeral, how I danced through the gauntlets during day, but I still made it home in time to kiss my wife goodnight. Speak of gladiators. Speak of honor, 
Speak of honor. Speak of the times when my eye sockets swamped my nights into a river. Yo, tell them that I was honest and that I felt everything. Tell them that I didn't hide. That an army of men, of hooded men with sickles, introduced themselves to my front door and my fist was a pistol. Tell them that I was a righteous man. That I held my friends tight like the first drop on a roller coaster. Speak of a lion. Speak of the wars us kings fought against the blood-leeching demons. Goblin-like creatures with mouths as wide as the gates of hell. Hide Jacking my serenity until it's set ablaze like a church in the south. Speak of these equator arms that wrapped around the women I found paradise and tell them that I loved not wise, but far too well. That I was that I was never afraid to wear my heart on my outfit and I adore the things that my wife will one day hate about herself. Tell them if I have him, I picked up my son every single day and I told him he was a miracle. That if I have her, that I told my daughter that she has a spine of a daffodil and gleaming pearls in her irises. Shit, tell them that I kept it real, that I kept it funky, that I kept it 100, that I kept it jeet up from my feet up, that I was real rap raw in the flesh, that I ra-ra like a dungeon dragon, that they try to lock me in a cage and I regurgitated bars behind, bars behind, bars behind, bars like rhyming is to fight me. The devil tried to lie to me, dancing in my brain, click, boom, and slobotomy. This poetry is pottery, my homies on the side of me, saving Lives being kings, loving all the God in me. Tell them I found the Lord in this microphone. And I loved him fiercely. That every single time I open my voice box, I reveal the truth. I beg of you before I'm six feet beneath the soil, before the maggots hug my flesh into a shivering carcass. Speak of me as I am and tell them that Carvin's Lassant was human. And I said, tell them that Carvin's Lassant was human. And I tell them, tell them that Carvin's Lassant said, I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long time coming, but I know, I know a change gonna come because, because I try to praise the Lord, but the devil stuck around me. I'm pouring light upon the dark, but my vision is getting blinded. See, the author of confusion is a menace to my psyche, breeding hate, so these demons, they take presence and block me. I want to flee from the whispers that's attacking, but they find me. I know victory is won, but when I fear, I cannot hide it. It's a yoke I'm trying to break, but when I fight it, it is binding. I am capable of love, but when I say it, I hear lying. Yeah, I'm destined for the heavens, but the heaviness denies it. It's a symphony of tears. My soul cracks, and I hear crying. Seven angel wings on heartstrings. There's no flying. Rope around my neck, but the suicide's not an option. Said, I gotta stay alive. My wife's spirit steady watching I'm throwing prayers in the air But the smog chokes and stops it I gotta use this praise as a rocket for this monster I'm spitting proverbs in a space Cause no weapon can ever prosper Delilah's lusting on my gifts So you know I gotta watch them Can't throw me off my track Cause my tunnel vision is godson The righteous always dying The wicked is getting larger I turn the other cheek But snapping back is how I'm brought up And evil always fought us Lust is how we caught up I'm dodging all these bullets But the sin is like an archer And it seems that these shackles Wanna armistad my dreams But I'm emancipating souls for the freedom, not the fiend. I'm getting everlasting wealth, not the dollar and the cream, because the Benjamins is fleeting and they fame it what it seems. I'm driving hate up off this world with this love up in my heart, illuminating the highest king because this world is getting dark, reviving my inspiration. I light it with a spark, reversing the finish line so I remember where it starts. Thank you.
so grateful to a teammate. He's probably the person in here that I've known the longest. Actually, that's not true. Mahogany, I've known you longer than Adam. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I love him dearly. Uh, and he's coming to the stage. He is the executive director of the Dialogue Arts Project, the chief operating officer of Urban Word. He probably has like four other jobs that we don't know about. Uh, put your hands together for Mr. Adam. Thank you. Yeah. I did think maybe if I just got up here and sang for a second, I wouldn't have to share my unpopular opinion. Especially since Carvin's made me want to sing and I wasn't planning to. Um, my unpopular opinion is that. Whew. All right, this, this, this is, there's a heavy truth to this. <laughs> but it's also, it can, it can be uh, light. So, like, an easy way to share this kind of unpopular opinion would be to say something like, I don't think Michael Jackson touched those kids. A harder way to share a very difficult opinion <laughs> and a more honest way to share a very difficult opinion is that there's almost nothing that I won't forgive in the name of celebrity. I just want to pray. Yeah, yes. I said, I just want to pray. I said, I just want to pray. No, I want to pray. No, I want to pray. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of forgivable, my father is a mansion made entirely of myths, each vaulted ceiling more elaborate than the last. My father is a trophy in a clan of empty frames, a fork in the most violent of rivers. My father is a detective. He's a therapist. He's a sax player. My father is a nobody, a water walker, a griot whose mouth spills stories like night moths, a legend. He has both arms around me like a bomb blast, one eye cast over his shoulder for shrapnel. My father is a storm of a thousand swallowed keys each one more elaborate than the last. My father is a candle in a cave without an entrance. His wine glass sloshes into his lap at red lights. My father is an empty groove in a mattress, a lone sail in a choppy sea. He is the racket of a hardback dickens through drywall. My father is a scholar of silence and swallowed keys. He helps people fish inside themselves for the right lie. He is another woman's name and another woman's name and another in locked cabinets, one eye cast over shoulder for shrapnel. My father is vomit on the bedroom carpet and every floor of the home I grew up in. My father is everything. 
He's a scholar of bomb blasts and both arms. He's made of myths and keys and red lights and other women. He's a headline in the papers for all the right reasons. He's a pile of snipped strings and snot in a waiting room. A story for all the wrong reasons. A hard backwater walker, a fishing tale. He is an elaborate entrance. Um, so I am like remarkably proud of, of this podcast and this room and this work and this collection. Um, and a couple months ago, a bunch of us got together for uh, something connected to the work of the Dialogue Arts Project. And I say this often, it surfaced in that weekend, and I say this often, and every time I do, I don't, I don't just steal it blindly. I said, my friend Nate Marshall said this shit, but I am increasingly beginning to trust more than anything else the power of a well-curated room, right? And I've said that in readings, I've said that in spaces where I'm designed to celebrate like a publication that I believe in, but I think that logic is real, right? And, and I think the anthology, The Breakbeat, is a really well-curated room. I think it's curated a larger sort of celebration of stuff, right? Um, I think cities are well-curated rooms. I think the people we love and who we drink with and who we celebrate with are well-curated rooms. Um, and, and this podcast is increasingly exciting for no other reason to me than it is one of the illest curated rooms that I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't listened to it, which I'm assuming is not the reason you're here, uh, I hope that you do. All right. Um, owning your own white guilt is not cool yet. For sure. <laughs> So you stuff the soft parts of other kids' cultures into your pockets until you believe that it just is not there at all. You are a matching sweatsuit jukebox stock with everything from Ice Cube to Outkast. Entire albums memorized and coiled in the damp of your throat, they are gunfire into the air above the school parking lot. And that is as black as you think possible. And pulling blunts the size of magic markers into your small lungs before school is black. And your dance routines are black. They call you Justin Timberlake. <laughs> your crossover is the blackest, though you are the only white boy on the court anyway. They call you Steve Kerr. <laughs> you used to... Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Thing. <laughs> you used to stare at a freckle on your left arm and imagine your whole body... <laughs> that color, how much easier it actually might be to be you if that were the case. And until someone tells you otherwise, that is black too. And it isn't that you don't know you're white, right? I mean, less white is all you'd really like to be. You are sure there are good parts about having white skin too, even if you cannot see them yet, because no one asks you where you came from, or how you got here tonight, which is good because you probably couldn't answer anyhow. You just appear with an insatiable hunger to touch things that do not belong to you in a culture that fits like a bedsheet. No one calls you carpetbagger, tells you that you can't place your favorite things about black people into a bucket and just dance around on the front lawn until it is time to come inside for dinner. And so you do exactly that, right? You dip your toe in and out, and you run when you must, but you stay when you choose. Well, and that is the whitest thing 
of all. And the last piece I'll read um, is sort of a, it's, it's a relatively new piece and um, triggered also by the sort of, my father crept into the room like a few minutes ago and that's what's dictated this here. I was gonna read three different complete poems. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and leave it at that. Oh, and by the way, I, I knew I wanted to remind myself to say something. I have known John a long time. I knew John the moment I liked him. I did like his work too, but I never heard that fucking poem before. <laughs> never heard that fucking poem. There's, there's not enough room under that bus, my friends. <laughs> All right, this is a, this is a letter to, to my dad. Get well soon from Riverside Church. <laughs> I would say that it's the wind and the cold that coughed me up here. It's barrel and whip up Broadway. Or I might say, too, that these vaulted ceilings and stained glass are too much a spectacle to have never stopped by. But it has been 15 years since I last walked into a church and meant it, sat beneath the gaze of so many stone saints and prayed for anything other than a new pair of basketball sneakers. But I am here today on my father's birthday, huddled in the last pew with one leg stretched toward the door like someone might catch me, might rattle an icy finger in my direction and remember my name from another life, like you, the traitor, or you, the walk away. But where else to take all these questions about fathers and sons and ghosts that have haunted the holy out of both of you? He some eight states away, speeding to and from his own trial with a whiskey glass nuzzled into his crotch and a family shrinking in the rear view. And I here on a cold day in December, driftwood in this sacred stale cave, wishing I were still in the bed of the boy I woke in and courageous enough to tell my father his name. And this is the great American dad story. The this everyone aches to be their father until we just grow up and become them story. Until it is we who are hunched over toilet seats, vomit draped from our mouths like silk scarves. Or it is we who keep silent about the stories we know will save our ticking lives, bury secrets like animal bones until they gulp us whole. Or we who build and set ablaze our own homes and string together lies like bedsheets from which to repel. But lest this unravel into another poem wherein the author pleads genetics. Pleads, damn it, if it weren't for all this booze and thick sadness and these creases around the eyes, because after all, I'm here. Stealing a moment to hold you up, Dad. Scared to admit that I might still believe in miracles. The raising of the dead, the gliding across water, the turning of water into, well, you get it. And then I need to believe in your ability to stick around, to stay with us a while. So happy birthday, Dad. Get well, Dad. Keep moving, Dad. His name is Sean, Dad. He would love to meet you. I talk about you every day.
next, the next reader is someone I've known for a long time. One of my first uh, poetry teachers. term breakbeat poets, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's he's one of these people that is just gifted at everything he does, you know what I'm saying? Like he raps, he writes plays, you know what I'm he saying? Does. He writes poems, he writes essays. Uh, he's he's really dope and one of my favorite people to drink whiskey with. Please y'all give it up for Idris Goodman. Oh, yo, I have so many opinions about so many things that are not, that are not uh, popular. But uh, let me think about this for a second. I had a thing that was a little bit more, like, diplomatic and, like, kind of crowd, you know, hey, we can all rock with that, but I forgot it. So I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go with my original thing, which is that, uh, I don't, I don't get the whole Drake thing. I don't, I don't, I don't get the thing with Drake. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel old. I feel old. None of them. None of them. I like rap. See, this is, listen, I don't, I don't, listen, respectfully, I'm not here. This is a beautiful environment. I'm feeling so much love right now. Like, this is what heaven looks like to me. Well, I mean, if they were buy me sandwiches, then it would be heaven. So it's like almost has heaven, it's this close to being heaven, but if they're bomb sandwiches. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, all right, I got a couple joints for you. Uh, thank you all for being here tonight. I had a whole thing. I've been traveling all day. I've been in plane. My brain is somewhere over Missouri right now. I'm trying my best, y'all. Um, all right, I'm going to start with the piece that's in the book, the Breakbeat Poets Anthology. And on the strength, y'all, like, I really hope that uh, you do pick up a copy. If not tonight, uh, we're available everywhere. And <laughs> listen, I've, I've, I've made a lot of products in my life. And th that is not like a push a T kind of thing where I'm like, I've made, I've made products, right? I've made products. Uh, I'm not saying it that way, but I'm saying I've made artistic products. And I'm going to be honest with you, not all of them are winners. Um, but uh, this one I really believe in. It's really exciting, and it's, it's pretty groundbreaking and it's exciting. And just the cover alone by the great Hebrew Brantley, I mean, if that's not enough, uh, get in the game, folks. It'll change your life. There's some um, fantastic writers together in this. It's a great read. So I'm going to do a piece from the book. Um, this is a piece about my name, and in the young Uber on my ride over here, the uh, Pakistani gentleman uh, drove me, and, uh, and it's the same conversation I've been having for the last, like, forever, uh, whenever, <laughs> you know, I encounter, and, and I feel like kind of like I'm disappointing them a little bit, because they're always very excited. They're like, yeah, all right, your name's Idris, isn't it? And I'm just like, I'm from Michigan, they're like... Okay. You want me to take the parkway or you want me to go? Whatever. Um, so this is a piece about my name. It's called Say My Name. 
always thought the name came out of a book. My mother still has it. It's crude and it's orange and it says African names. Now inside African names, it says something like Idris means immortal, but I don't think that's right. My mother's name is Patricia. My father's name is Donald. Their parents are named Thelma, James, Ruth, and also James. <laughs> Popular name with the black folks. Uh, they wanted to give us names with throat and vowels. In Detroit, the name was a minority. Uh, the black church asked, now why you get that boy that African name? How you gonna get that boy that Muslim name? There are names in the good book. There are strong <laughs> apostle names. There are names in the phone book. Strong, regular names. In the suburbs, the name was a minority. My middle American classmates asked, now is it Idris, is it Idris, is it Idris, is it Isidore, is it Ivan, is it Iggy? How about I just call you I? How about I just call you E? How about I just call you something other than your name? Age 11, I asked my mom if I can change my name to something else. Mark, Tony, Sean, something else. <laughs> Being named Idris in North America will arrest people. You must grow patience. That's so unusual. That's so exotic. Sounds Turkish. It sounds Greek. Are you a Muslim? Age 16, two Arab dudes come through my register. They get big-eyed when they see my name tag. They're curious how the name made its way to a Target in suburban Michigan. They're disappointed when I tell them about that orange book, African Names. <laughs> Some 10 years later, I'm in the Middle East where they pronounce it beautifully, not all straightened and flattened. They've given it a joyful bounce. Idris is a prophet in the Quran. Age 20, I'm new to Chicago. I'm cleaning cigarette butts out of a restaurant. <laughs> even in that, <laughs> even there, y'all, anywhere you can get it, y'all just like, I'm at a Bears game. Y'all like, yeah, nigga. <laughs> I love y'all. I uh, taught y'all wrong. Okay, here we go. Let's back up. <laughs> Age 20. I'm new to Chicago. I'm cleaning cigarette butts out of a restaurant urinal for minimum wage. My boss is a giant stereotype of a man in a turtleneck and a sport jacket, some tinted glasses, and a thick as Mike Ditka's mustache Chicago accent unzips at my urinal, the one I just cleaned, and then he says, I ain't going to remember that name of yours. How about I just call you Eddie? And my name became Eddie. But then his assistant suggests that he stop for fear I would claim cultural insensitivity. The gentlemen from the UK tell me the Welsh have a myth. There's Morocco's Moulay Idris, the jazz world's Idris Muhammad, television's Idris Elba. How do you say it? What does it mean? Where does it come from? What does it mean? How do you say it? What does it mean? Fiery cashier, prophetic philosophic cleaner of urinals. Where does it come from? How do you say it? What's the origin? Are you Muslim? How do you say it? I call myself Idris. Idris. That's how my mama say it. But she probably not saying it right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, y'all. You know what I'm saying, Aziza? No, I do. I went to Dubai recently, and they were like, welcome home, Aziza. 
right? Yeah. There's so much flyer, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It kind of makes you want to move because you're like, I could talk like that all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Our vowel game in the United States is not good. The way we approach vowels, we're not having enough fun with these vowels. Like, we could be rolling shit. We could be. Like, we could be doing all sort of shit, but we just flatten the shit out. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible. These are the things I think about, y'all. All All right. New new things. Uh, Thanks, y'all. In heaven, not only are there bomby sandwiches, but people are also excited when you're like, I got new writing. Oh, shit. Uh, it's a two-parter. I like it. Respect. Respect. Part one, breaking out in sweat. For the 50th time in my life, I have joined a gym. Exercise has been an occasional fling, a once in a while, oh, you again. But I'm a father now. I got to last as long as he needs to see me. The life expectancy of a black man is 67. I am 38. The math is clear. On that treadmill, I walk not too fast, just trying to warm up. The televisions lined above peer down, smirking as I increase speed, cautiously taking it easy, not trying to be no hero. (laughs) Above today's... Latest cell phone video is dissected. Opposing neckties, side-by-side vertical rectangles ping-pong their way through the familiar. Closed caption tries to keep up. They play that video again and again. The boy half my age expires 50 years before expected. I am walking a little faster now. A new headline visual. The desert blows a thin beam of smoke back up towards the sky that struck it before the commercials for insurance and faster internet. Around me, machines whir and bodies grunt and grasp for air, a symphony pushing its presence through the hip-hop of my headphones. When we return, the CDC says that certain threats are inevitable. Certain airborne viruses have our names and our addresses. As do the drones, we are told we're destined to meet. Now I'm jogging, slowly, you know. Inside my headphones, Kendrick Lamar declares our survival, but I ain't here to be all right. $30 will not be directly withdrawn from my checking account on a monthly basis for all right. No, we gonna be better than all right. All of us under these fluorescent lights, the other new parents out to acquire the hourglass and freeze the sand, the wounded warriors and seniors here to shake the all right colors from our straining tendons. We look down to watch numbers slowly make their climb, calories, heart rate, elapse, time. We look up above a line of mouths make meals of death tolls along borders and deserts, but also classrooms and even city streets on a Sunday morning the guy at the counter told me Colorado Springs is safe and we in this workshop this body shop this sweat house of best intention this church of kinetic holiness we thank God for that safety as we sweat each of us 
running for our lives. Two, another black body. This body, no southern leaves. This body, don't climb trees. This body, got southern roots, blood to bone. This body got two hands, eight fingers that clap, salute, give, dap. Two hands, backhand sided, become fist, legs, sprint when the rope get ignited. This body is mine, but also political. When it stands, how it walks with a bop that's centrifugal. This body was once considered three-fifths of a human's. This body birthed by a woman who was birthed by a woman in a city of black alloy. This body fled before the rust settled. This body nomadic, moving through zip codes propelled by static. This body don't do neckties. This body wears hoodies, ball caps, T-shirts, sneakers. This body need freedom. This body hip-hop, rock and don't stop. Body electric, eclectic, knows microphones, brings noise, feeds backs, rewinds, come again fully intact. This body stay in the headlines, hunted. Some say hated, overfed. Some say overrated. This body celebrated with adorned with golden vests and nine-shot ventilated by Smith & West. This body no hunger. This body starved, yes. This body gets stressed. This body knows love shows love. This body never held guns, never sold drugs. This body been elevated through skies to enlightenment, but down to earth. This body is black since birth, African American. This body got slave master DNA. This body got an MFA, educated. This body ignorant, be on that bullshit sometimes, full of it. This body hustle. This body push iron and keep trying. This body is a gazelle. This body is a lion. This body is a prayer to never know a cell. Got blood, got heart. This body keep moving. This body's a shark. This body's an ocean. This body swings, grooves, moves, rhythms, slides, electric. This body don't know how to dougie. This body, this body get ugly. Don't pop bottles, not bubbly. This body pop and lock. They trying to lock this body to a gurney. This body needs attorneys. It's known rivers searching for the mountaintop. This body trying to know itself. This body survives, endures, makes mistakes. Wasn't no mistake. This body birthed by the universe. It's political. The subject in headlines with a force that's centrifugal behind the hashtag. This body is mine to protect, to cherish, mine to to deprive this body is fed well this body is alive thanks y'all
also one of the first mentors I had um, in New York who just, man, listen. When someone calls you to rise to your own occasion, that is Mahogany Brown. She, she tells you, like, yo, I see it. I see what you could be, and you don't, but I do. Just do this one thing. Show up to this one spot on time and and, <laughs> and memorize your poem and do this one thing, you know. And the one thing being, show up for yourself, like like not not for not even for her, just for yourself, you know. And and it was like in that moment that I realized that with you, I was like, she ain't even talking about her, it's talking about me for me. That's wild. Um, and so she writes all these books and like makes all these spaces for people to show up for themselves. Yeah. And and I feel like you are never celebrated enough. Please give yeah. a huge round of applause. Thanks, y'all. I'm really grateful. I'm in a lot of pain, but you gave me this bourbon, so. We're gonna be good. Um, I'm gonna do some new shit. I just wrote it this morning. April Ranger did a, did a uh, poetry workshop at Women Writers of Color Reading Room. Please come, it's at Pratt. We're trying to make it uncomfortable for whiteness to exist. Green Earth. Walt lived on the porch at the end of Helen Street. His glass eye called out to any ear that would catch it. Come see me tonight. Once, his invitation crept up to me slow, slid its intentions across my nape. But Oakland raised a goon, reared me with pit bulls and possums. Only snarl I know is I'll cut off your dick and feed you the meat. Elsie Jean ain't appreciate the candor. Walt's all glassy-eyed think my hand's too neat for the kill. Six months later, Walt sat on the porch of the house at the end of Helen Street. When it burned to the ground, no one heard him scream. We don't know who started the fire. My ears suspect his mouth begat the flame. The flame binged on his breath. All that alcohol, all that godlessness, spill sloppy, be birth and ash. But I ain't smile none. Ain't no blossoming in a certain death. Still I say to Elsie Jean, ain't no frame fit to sit on a porch or this green earth for too long like that. <laughs> Me and Lily ain't talking. You know her. Cause she thinks she cute. Cause she think I ain't. Must be pretty boy Curtis all in her head, all in her mouth, making her forget her home training. Making her forget her daddy got a gun for a living. And her mama ain't live with them and this is why I ain't think she ain't got no sense no how cause ain't nobody but fast girls checking for Curtis. And he keep her name close. And she don't come home the same way no more. She must think she cute. 
must think I ain't. How she keep me waiting like I'm supposed to like Curtis or something, and I hate his light-skinned self. Especially because he ain't smart as he think. Especially when he call me black and ugly and stupid. And she stay grinning like he the son, like we ain't friends, like I am protected from them heifers that want to jump on her every time we go to the skate rink. Because Lily pretty, and their boyfriends forget they home training around her. So when Curtis say the things I already said about myself and she laugh, I know deep down inside, she ain't never really thought I was pretty no how. How she just said them lies to keep my shadow all up and around her sunshine smile. She be the sun. When we go to the pool party and everybody there in their bikinis and I got my one white, I got my one piece on with the white t-shirt on top. And boys just are looking like their mama ain't taught them nothing worth knowing. And Lily got that good hair, so she don't care if it's wet and loose. And my hair ain't close to being good. So I keep it in a tight, 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 real tight ponytail. <laughs> Till the sun gets so hot, I jump in to cool my sadness down. It's like I already know, so I let my shoulders sink low like my heart be. And I, I watch Lily how she walk and everybody stop. And I'm trying to learn because ain't nobody got time for the kind of shade I got. But everybody got time for the sun. Lily smile at Curtis. And he only a little bit cute. But he ain't funny or smart, so that's how I know she lying. And I pretend I don't hear her South Sacramento slur. I pretend I can't see his hazel eyes when he say, lose her ugly black ass and Lily laugh. She say, shut up, Curtis. But it sounds like, come here. So I dunk my head underwater slow and wait for her to say anything like, I don't care how pretty your eyes is, don't talk about my friend. But she just say, shut up. And she laughs. And I think I could stay here. Where it's all blurry, aqua blue, I think I could stay here. Where my eyes don't hurt so much. And it don't feel like I've been looking at the sun all day long. I didn't get to share my unpopular truth. It's two, actually. Because I listen to Poetry Gods, and uh, Jose said some real inflammatory shit. Like, who talks about DOC, bruh? Like, he lost his gift, and you talked about him. He don't got a, he broke the larynx so he can't rap no more. Yeah, you came. Yeah, he said DOC was whack. He said, what do you remember about DOC? You know, like cut, cut his page out of breakbeats. You know, like you go against the Bible, you out. DOC, like I am not illiterate. No, not even a little bit. Nothing like an idiot. Get it. You want a record? Cool, I'm with it. He said nobody would remember lyrics. I just wanted to show you that I do. So that, that was one. My second unpopular, and I might lose a lot of friends, I don't care, bell hooks need to sit down about Beyonce. She gotta stop. She gotta stop. I love her so much, she's so brilliant. She is the fucking beacon of black feminism, but what you told us feminism was, was we decide for ourselves and our, fem our female bodies, right? 
And then she's saying some foolery. She's like an agent. Right now she's acting like an agent. And you should know that, you know, she supported Ice Cube in the midst of NWA. So to have one body supported, specifically a black man body, talking about their truth and their entertainment and not a young black woman body, but Emma Watson, let's not even get me started. I'm gonna end with this. For, for bae, for lemonades. They say you ain't supposed to be here, black girl. You ain't supposed to wear red lipstick. You ain't supposed to wear high heels. You ain't supposed to smile in public. You ain't supposed to smile nowhere, black girl. You ain't supposed to be no more than a girlfriend. You ain't supposed to get married. You ain't supposed to want no dream that big. You ain't supposed to dream at all. You ain't supposed to do nothing but carry babies and carry felons and carry weaves and carry silence and carry confusion and carry a nation, but never an opinion. Because you ain't supposed to have nothing to say, black girl, not unless it's a joke. Because you ain't supposed to love yourself, black girl. You ain't supposed to find nothing worth saving in all that brown. You ain't supposed to know that Tina, Beyonce, Cecily, Shonda, Rhymes, shine, 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 black girl. You ain't supposed to love your mind. You ain't supposed to love. You ain't supposed to be loved up on. You only post to pose, voodoo child, vixens. How you supposed to pop out babies and hide the stretch marks? You're supposed to be still. So still they think you statue. So still they think you chalked outline. So still they keep thinking you stone. Until you look more Medusa than Viola Davis. Until you son more Shanae than Kerry Washington. Until you're more side-eyed than Michelle Obama on a Tuesday, but you tell them you are more than a hot comb in a washing set. You are Kunta Kinte's kin. You are a black girl worth remembering, and you are a threat knowing yourself. You are a threat loving yourself. You are a threat loving your kin. You are a threat loving your children. You black girl magic. You black girl fly. You black girl branch. You black girl wonder. You black girl shine. You black girl bloom. You black girl. Black girl, and you turning into a beautiful black woman, right? before our eyes.